Time now for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. And uh, once in a while, we get a piece of legislation before the B.C. House that's just the tip of an iceberg to come, but uh, fairly significant what happened on public hearings on projects this week. Yeah, let's talk about that one, because this is about, I heard this too and thought, oh, this could be big. And this has to do with uh, essentially streamlining the planning approval process for new projects in municipalities. This is a blow against NIMBY, the not-in-my-backyard forces. And, you know, we can go through a whole lot of it, but it's going on in Vancouver right now over the False Creek development, over the rental housing proposal, and you look around other municipalities in Metro Vancouver, and you'll find projects that have run afoul of this. So the law, as it's written in both the Vancouver Charter and the Municipal Act for Local Government, basically says that uh, there has to be public hearings on projects, even where the projects already fit the municipal plan for housing and land developments. And what happens is you know, they want to add one more building to an existing project or they want to build a new housing project with homes for families and rental and the forces of not in my backyard descend on the public hearing. Uh, Very noisy. And they say, yeah, build it somewhere else or you're going to block our view or frankly, I don't want my neighborhood crowded with another 2,000 housing units. One can understand it. I know what my reaction would be if it happened in my neighborhood. But what's been happening is a growing chorus of voices that say, essentially, yes, in my backyard. And what the government did this week, Simi, was they brought in uh, a piece of legislation that removes one requirement for public hearings, but it's a big one. It says that if the project already fits the municipal plan for the municipality or the region or the city, you don't have to have a public hearing. Essentially, it slams the door on the forces of NIMBY where the project already fits the objectives of the local plan. Okay, that's really interesting, but this is an option. By the way, this doesn't apply to Vancouver. Vancouver has a separate charter. That would be different, right? Uh, yeah, but it's it's going to affect Vancouver, too. Um, it, it, in fact, uh, hmm, the minister actually said it does apply to Vancouver because the amendment would also amend the Vancouver Charter. But I'll have to go back and look at the clause-by-clause bill to see if they did that or if they just said it's coming. But it's clear, Simi, that this is coming. Um, you know, this this bill went through the House second reading yesterday afternoon very quickly, and the opposition parties get it. They they all recognize that the only way, um, you know, I, I, I think Joy McPhail, that commission she headed, former finance minister, federal provincial commission, reported out back in June on the challenge of increasing the housing supply and developing affordable housing, especially in and around Metro Vancouver. And she said, look, you know, local government is is dominated by the forces of not in my backyard because existing residents vote 
And they don't want, you know, in general, yes, they want housing for their kids and the next generation and all that. They recognize all of that, but they don't want it in their neighborhood. And they show up and they storm the council meeting or the public hearing and they, and they persuade council to back down because those people vote. The people who might move there, who might want the housing or might move into it, well, they don't live there yet. So, of course, they don't vote. So what the McPhail Commission said was, look, the balance of power right now is on the side of not doing stuff. And that's why local councils are slow or delay or rewrite the project or don't approve it. And what the provincial government has to do is to step in and change the balance of power. McPhail said, you're going to have to do more than just deal with public hearings, but that's a first step. And that's why I think this one is really significant, Simi, because I think it's where we're headed in the long run, and it is going to change the balance of power in communities. This is something that has been talked about by a provincial government for a long time. I remember the former B.C. Liberal government saying this back in 2014, 2015, 2016, saying, hey, the problem is that these things get log jammed at the local level. Yep, uh, Mike DeYoung, uh, who was the finance minister way back then, I remember him saying there were, he'd done the survey, there were 150,000 units of housing in the pipeline stalled by this kind of stuff. DeYoung himself actually went to a public hearing in one of the Tri-Cities municipalities to check this out for himself. And it was a project that was blocked and voted down by the council because it would have added a, 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 a another a unit to the project, not not a housing unit, but another building to the project that would have blocked the views of the residents who already lived there. And I remember DeYoung expressing his frustration, but the Liberals didn't deal with it because they didn't want to take on local government. Mayors, councils, you know, they know, as I said, what their local residents want. And so the New Democrat and the New Democrats, to be fair, the Liberals haven't entirely dealt with this yet either. The New Democrats could have withheld funding for the new SkyTrain line along Broadway by insisting the city of Vancouver first approve high-rise development around each station. They didn't do that. They worked with local government. We haven't seen yet whether they're going to insist on that on the new SkyTrain line through Surrey into Langley. So all governments have balked at this. I give credit to the New Democrats, however, mm-hmm. for finally taking a step in the right direction. I think they're going to have to do a lot more. Do you also think that maybe the tone of the local governments has changed too, that perhaps this gives them some cover to approve more of these you projects? Know, I think that's a very good observation, Simi, and I would go back a couple of generations to when the provincial government took control from local councils away over the fate of agricultural land. Council elections used to be dominated by developers and owners of farmland who wanted to get the land out of the land reserve and develop it for housing. And the NDP government, first NDP government in the province, they took it away from local councils. They gave it to the Agricultural Land Commission. They made it clear there's no point in trying to take control of the council anymore. And you're right, Simi. The council, there was huge protest at the time, but in the long run, mayors and councillors went, what a relief. We don't have to deal with that anymore. I think you're right. 
I think local councils would welcome this yes. in the long run. They could say to the neighborhood association, sorry, our hands are tied by Victoria. Go complain exactly. to them. Exactly. Exactly. I think it gives them cover on that for sure. Uh, also, we have to talk about this taxpayer subsidy thing. <laughs> I shook my head on this one because what is what was temporary, quote unquote, is now sounding awfully permanent, Vaughn. Yeah, I, I keep a collection of what we're calling organisms, which are things the Premier has said and promised that he doesn't live up to. Uh, he said that the taxpayer subsidy for political parties was only temporary. His government introduced legislation to make it permanent. The legislation would pay political parties in the province, including the NDP, about $3.2 million a year in a subsidy based on the number of votes they got in the last election. So the NDP would get a million six, the Liberals would get a million one, the Greens would get 500,000. Uh, it's a big subsidy, but Simi, don't wait for the opposition parties to protest the Premier's broken promise quietly. They support the change, too, because they want the money, and they're hoping that none of us really notice. They're hoping it just goes through quietly and we move on. So even though I, I, I seem to remember originally the B.C. Liberals didn't like this. Uh, originally the Liberals, <laughs> I mean, you know, in a matter of point of pride, one of the reasons the Liberals didn't like it is because they accused Horkin of supporting this in the 2017 election. And Horkin said, oh, that's just fake news. That's, you're just making stuff up. I don't support a taxpayer subsidy for political parties. Then he turned around and introduced one. And, you know, the justification was we're getting rid of donations from unions and corporate sector. We're moving just to individual donations. So the parties need a helping hand. But he said it's only temporary. The liberals opposed it. But, of course, it turned out they needed the money more than the NDP because the NDP's fundraising apparatus is more efficient, individually based, than that of the liberals. So the liberals needed the money more than the NDP. I mean, the NDP finished the political cycle in surplus and the liberals were in deficit. So I think that's why the parties right. have gone, oh, I guess we better take the money since it's being offered. And, well, you know, in the long run, I think a lot of people would say it's Taxpayer subsidy is better than having the parties supported by big exactly. labor and big corporations. And anyway, that's where we're headed. I don't expect there'll be any effort to stop this. And if that's what it means is no big corporate donors anymore, then you're right. I, and Or big union donors. I think some people might be happy about that. Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi.